And that is a terrible mindset because ultimately the only one responsible for your success is you. And I think we've gotten to a point where my job is supposed to give me everything I need instead of I can create what I need for my job. And so when it comes to looking for a job, really sitting down and asking yourself, what, 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 are the, what are the projects you want to be involved in? What are the types of people you want to engage with? What are the skills that you want to learn? What are your skills currently? What sparks and lights you up? What are you passionate about? And you get all this information together. You get some ideas. All right. Welcome, 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 welcome to this episode of the How to Get a Job podcast. Today, we're going to talk about self leadership, right? How to be a letter, a leader to allow you, you know, without a title, with a title, allow you to grow in your career and reach your full potential. And to talk about this important topic, I have an amazing guest here today. I have Dr. Benjamin Ritter. He's a leadership and career coach expert. He's in, ex he has massive experience in this field. Uh, Dr. Ritter, how are you? I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me. Um, super excited to talk about this. Um, you know, you could have studied anything in the world, but why study this? And particularly, why focus on getting your PhD on leadership, uh, in organizational leadership, and just anything on the value of congruency of job satisfaction? Like, what got you into this field? Why this? You could, out of everything else. Yeah, and just to, to make sure that no one's looking at my resume and being like, hey, Ben. Those letters are different. I have an EDD, a doctorate of education, organizational leadership. And I did not start off thinking I was going to go into this field. If anyone ever tells you, you're going to know what you want to do right when you start working, they're lying to you. So I've had, I also have an MBA in entrepreneurial management. I have an MPH in health policy administration. I have a bachelor's in marketing with a minor in nutrition because my major was, was nutrition and they canceled that major. I didn't want to do any of that stuff. I wanted to actually be a professional soccer player. And when I was younger, I think I wanted to be an astronaut. So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of different school in my background and some of it relates to jobs and some of it, some of it doesn't. But uh, basically I was working in healthcare for about seven years and for about a year and a half of that, I actually enjoyed my job because it was new, it was novel, it was a challenge. And I felt like I won because I got a full-time job and it was a long journey to get to that place. It was two and a half years of getting job offers and then canceling them after I signed on a dotted line because of a lovely thing we call a recession. And I'm especially in the field that I was focused in, which was health policy. So I finally networked my way into an acute care hospital. And it was actually really interesting, impactful, values-driven work for that first year and a half. And then I started having pretty poor experiences with my leadership. I ended up becoming pretty disengaged. I was going into work, not to work. And I kind of became a victim of my own situation and my own mindset around what work is supposed to be. And, you know, if, you, if you're in that place for a while, you become pretty resentful, you become pretty negative. It is not a fun place to be at work. If, if anyone's working right now and not happy at their job, they, they probably can resonate with this. Uh, and, you know, I was, a, I was pretty good at my work though. So I wasn't working very hard and I still ended up doing the job. I was exceeding. I got promoted into the executive team and you know, talk about getting even more disengaged where at least in the initial job, I actually like felt like the work had meaning. And that next job I was surrounded by leaders I didn't respect and surrounded by wor work that wasn't challenging and not, not important to me. Uh, but luckily 
you know, I, I had an interest in personal development and spent a lot of time. I was coaching on the side in a different space. I was reading a lot of personal development books. I was, I was personally a very happy individual, but professionally not. And those two like fight at each other. They, there's a, a war battling. And honestly, if you spend most of your day in a negative mindset, you're going to be a negative person. And luckily, I had a little bit of a come to moment, a little light bulb went off over my head when I was walking into work one day and looking around and being like, why does everyone look like they hate their life? And I was like, oh, wait a second. I look like I hate my life. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. Why are we doing this? Why are we going into work each and every single day unhappy? I'm the one that's responsible for this. I'm reacting to my situation instead of being proactive. I have all these learnings from the, the personal development space. Why am I not applying them to my professional life? So that's when I woke up and realized I need to take a greater control. And I did a really strong career audit, spent a lot of time exploring where I wanted to go with my career and then taking little steps towards it. And those little steps led me to getting a doctorate in organizational leadership, working as a head of talent development for a life science manufacturer, building a coaching and consulting practice, creating a bunch of partnerships with some major companies, speaking internationally on this topic, because I didn't want anyone to go through what I went through. Uh, and I was actually personally also just passionate about it. It wasn't like it was just, oh, this is important to me because I want to prevent this from happening to other people. It's like, no, like, hey, leadership development, organizational development, it's a merger of my interest in coaching, in talent and personal development. It is my interest in, in regards to how do I prevent people from becoming disengaged at work like I was, getting the most out of individuals, helping leaders grow. And so people don't have to deal with the fact that, you know, don't have to deal with leaders like I dealt with when I was when I was working full time. Um, so that's kind of like a the, the shorter, medium length story of how I got to where I am today. So that obviously like w makes me want to sprint onto different different conversations and topics. So like one of the things you talked about is how you were not satisfied with your job, and I I see and I con you, it's, every single week you can see an article of the amount of unengaged uh, workforce that, that we're having and how that number continues to climb. Um, and obviously there's big black swan events like COVID or things like that that happen that don't necessarily help um, and change things up, right? Like, you know, that you go from going to the office to working from home and that changes the dynamics of work. Um, but when employees are disengaged, it affects everyone negatively, right? Companies are negatively affected because productivity is down. Employees are negatively affected because what happens in their job for those eight to eight, nine hours or 10 hours, those 12 hours, however long you're working, definitely correlates and affects your personal life and affects your marriage and affects your relationship with your children. Right? So it's a win-win when you can be, when an employee is engaged at work because they're happier at home and that translates to better work and then the company. Win. So how can, can, if we tackle this from both sides and we can start with one side at a time, what can companies do to make employees more engaged and what can an employee do themselves, right? Self-leadership, internal locus of control, to be more engaged and be more satisfied with their job. Which one do you want to go first? And let's kind of tackle it. <laughs> yeah, they're both critical. It's actually why I went into the field of organizational leadership while focusing and promoting this concept of self-leadership. Because I work with leaders to help them become the leader that they truly want to be. So gaining clarity, confidence, control over their career and their life while developing leadership skills, because then, well, you can do this for others. And so how do you do that for others? How do we create organizations that people can thrive in, that they can ask the questions that they need to ask, be direct, ask the questions they need to ask of themselves, craft a job for themselves where they're at instead of having to leave and go somewhere else. 
is honestly the path of least resistance is is crafting your current job into one that you feel is ideal. Yep. It's actually what I tried doing when I was in healthcare still, and it was successful until we got acquired again, and then, then everyone I was working with ended up getting laid off, and so I had to kind of create my path moving forwards in a different way. Um, so I, we can talk about first self leadership because you have to really be a self leader to be able to lead others uh, appropriately. So, you know what we need to do is change our mindset around work overall. Like who's responsible for your level of job satisfaction and success at work? A lot of individuals think that their leader is. If I go to my leader and tell them I want to be promoted, if I go to my leader and tell them I'm happy, they're not responsible for making this happen for myself. And if they don't do it, I should quit. And that is a terrible mindset because ultimately the only one responsible for your success is you. And I think we've gotten to a point where my job is supposed to give me everything I need instead of I can create what I need for my job. Mm. And that tends to also be because we, we, we think we don't have power at work. And so I'm going to pause for a second and see what, what's your reaction well, to that. And then we can dive in a, little a couple deeper. of things, right? Because there's this book that really changed my life and it was a uh, man's search for meaning. And if you haven't read it, it's an amazing book. Uh, and it's not even that long, but it really, uh, it's by this, you know, doctor that went through the Holocaust and he just it's pretty much talked through his that and, and how anyways. And, and one of the, my biggest takeaways from the book is the, the difference between internal and external locus of control. Right. Like if I have an internal locus of control, I believe that everything that good that's happened to me is like I was able to create. But everything that bad happened to me, I it's also my fault. But if you have an external locus of control, anything that good happens to you is like I got lucky anything bad that happens to you. I got unlucky. Like I'm just unlucky. I'm always an unlucky person. And as much as I want to claim that I have internal locus of control 100% of the time, I sometimes find myself blaming outside factors for things that are out of it. And so like, I, I, I want to like, you know, realistically say 80% of my mind, my, my, my time when I'm in my head, I would say I'm 80% internal locus of control, 20% out, right? That's a really more realistic number as much as I want to be 100%. And one of the things that you were mentioning is like, it's not your manager's fault or it's not the company's fault. And I, I've seen the difference. I've had good managers and I've also had bad managers, right? And my life is completely different with a good manager, right? And as much as I can say like, hey, there's things I can control. If my manager's a micromanager and decides to call me on the weekends at 6 a.m. in the morning and also calls me at 6 p.m. at night and is calling me throughout the day, that still affects my life as much as I want to control it. Now, there's probably ways for me to manage my manager, um, and it's probably what you're going to tell me, and, and it's probably completely fair, right? But it's really easy for me to blame. If I didn't have this micromanager of a manager, my life would be better. It's not to say that you shouldn't have boundaries and expectations and saying, I don't want to work for someone that acts like this towards me, 100%. So then you can go find another position or transfer within your organization. But what tends to happen is we let that manager get away with it. We cater to that manager's actions. We build a certain level of resentment. We then label that manager as a terrible person and human. And now we've like accentuated and amplified the negative experiences that we're having. Where if instead you didn't answer your phone on the weekends, you maybe after that it keeps happening because your manager's not getting the hint on your in your one-to-one -one with your manager you say just so you know i don't work on the weekends if something is important let's let's maybe put a standing meeting monday morning 
for maybe Thursday to make sure that we can close out anything that needs to happen during the week. Like there, there are boundaries that you set for yourself that you need to feel like you have permission for. The problem, one of the main issues I see when I'm working with my clients is a lack of personal confidence and safety in regards to work. So first off, you need to make yourself safe. Anyone listening, take a step back for a moment. If you do not have three, three preferably mm -hmm. six months of savings that you can live with food and shelter, not your lifestyle, food and shelter, then you need to start saving now. You need to operate a little bit differently with your livelihood because you need to feel like you can lose your job and be okay. Second thing is you need to make yourself marketable. So go get your resume uh, updated. Go get your LinkedIn updated. Make sure you have a success folder of what's happening at work and have conversations about jobs. Or go even create a side business to get some side income coming in to make sure that you don't feel like you have to rely on your current employer and that you know that you the people want you and you could get a job if you need it. Yeah. If you believe that you are safe, you're more likely to push back. You're more likely to say, I don't agree with how I'm getting treated. And it's not you. It's just these are my expectations with work and this is how I want to work. And just people don't don't tend to have that level of personal empowerment and accountability when it comes to their job. They think I'm in a negative environment. I have to leave not, Oh, for this negative environment to be negative, I have to be partially responsible for it. Yeah. Wow. It's so awesome. And to hear that because you broke it down in such actionable steps, because like having a bad manager is, I would say is the number, well, it is the number one reason that people leave their job. Like you can see that time and time again. And, um, and, even though you think like, Hey, I, I can't control my manager, right? Like that he's my boss. There's not a lot of leverage that I have. You just explain ways to build leverage. And, um, even though this is not a personal finance show, this is not a business show. Like you, you're so right. Like if, if I have a safety blanket, right, if I have a savings account of three to six months, or if my, my wife has a really good job and that also gives me a level of security because I know that with her income, we can pay our bills and that gives me time to, to, if worst case scenario does come, if I end up do getting fired for giving my, 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 my manager some pushback um, and I'm able to take those conversations. But when you feel like your back's against the wall, like you can't afford losing the job, like you're the only person that brings an in income, you have no savings account, uh, all this, you know, all these bills that you have to pay, right? Um, then you don't feel like you have the leverage, then you are less likely to push back. You are less likely to be, I have those conversations and there's obviously like, and you explain there's, there's right ways to push him back. Uh, there's ways of setting bound. There's the right ways of setting boundaries. There's bad way, wrong ways of setting boundaries like anything else. But I think it's so amazing. And I think people listening to this should understand like a lot of the things you can do, is, but it's just about how you gain leverage and any negotiation. It's all about leverage, right? And so if you do have a savings account, you have a good LinkedIn profile, you have a good resume, you've been networking, you have opportunities kind of that potential line up. It's not that you need to leave. And also, I don't want you to judge your, your experience with one manager as what is the experience with the overall company, because one manager is not the company. And a lot of times the solution can easily just be switch departments, switch managers, and that could be a whole different new world for you. Um, but having those leverages, um, Make, I can see how it makes a difference. So that, that was awesome. I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, and if you depersonalize feedback, so it's not that your manager is a terrible human being, but it's that, hey, I think that we actually communicate a little differently and it's causing a little bit of, it's causing a little bit of frustration and maybe, and, you know, I really want to make sure that we're on, we're on the same page. Yep. 
So let's talk about what's working. Let's talk about what's not working right now. Because I want to make sure that you reach your goals and we want to have a positive working relationship. Yeah. I mean, this this scares so many people to have this type of conversation. But if you can create a way for yourself to feel safe in those moments, your manager is actually probably going to to be happier that you had yeah. that conversation because your working relationship is going to be improved. I have um, this actually happened to me this morning, um, and I, I was at the gym with my 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 one of my best friends and. He was talking to me that he, he has a micromanager. Um, his manager is a micromanager. So I was actually kind of sharing. He was every, I talk, we're always talking about that. And um, he said, hey, man, yesterday I actually sat my manager down uh, because they're, they're in, a, in a temple business where somebody has to be on call on the weekends. Um, and so there's two managers and then the director. So he's, he's a manager, there's a director or a vice president. He's a director, there's a vice president. Anyway, so... So the two managers or directors rotate uh, weekends. So every other call, they're on, on, on things. But on the weekends, the, the, the vice president is off, but he's on them. Like it's all kind of like it's still on them, even though he's a workaholic. He, he's a workaholic, so he's transferring this down. So the two, the, the two directors sit down this vice president and they're like, hey, look, we're number one in the nation. We're hitting our KPIs. We've both been working with you for over two years. Like, this is not sustainable. We're going to get burned out because if we're on call every other weekend, there's sometimes we work for 15 days straight and, and it's nonstop, right? We know what you're doing. You, you thought as well. You trained as well. We know how to handle all the situations. 90% of the things that you're calling us about can wait until Monday, right? They're not something that needs to be handled on the weekend. And so they had this one-hour conversation with the manager. And the manager or, or their manager, right? And their manager calls him later in the afternoon, probably after work hours, still doesn't learn that lesson, right? And says, hey, just want to say thank you so much. You guys make a lot of sense. I'm going to start going into the rotation. So now it's every three weeks you're on call. And you're right. All the things that you guys talked about, here's what we can talk about on the weekends. Here's what, what needs to wait. And created some boundaries, created clarity, have an understanding of what to like. And that 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 took him three years to have that conversation like it should have happened a long time ago i'm glad it did and we'll see right if it works and i i think sometimes depending on the on the manager i can see this being good for two months and then coming like the, the old habits start start to cripple back in i mean you need to readdress it but i think that's the idea it's like i think like being able to have that conversation putting yourself in your manager's shoes understanding like, like why they're doing it a lot a lot of times the managers mean well like they come in from a place of they mean well, they want to be number one, they want to be successful, and they think that this is how we are successful by micromanaging the successful. But if we can put ourselves in their manager in our manager's shoes and say, okay, I understand where it's coming from, can we still get to the same destination without doing X, Y, and Z? I think we can. You can find a, a common ground and a solution to it. One hundred percent. I appreciate you sharing that story, by the way. And I hope people are motivated to have the conversations that they need to have sooner rather than later, because you're you are a big reason why the gears of your stress are turning. And I mean, I was just thinking about burnout, and you know, burnout is is basically living in like sustained stress and negativity without any sort of reprieve. And you have to choose to stay there. Like you have to choose to be in that environment yourself. 
So we're talking about self-leadership and I, I think we, it's really important that we are discussing the idea of, you know, what are your boundaries? How do you manage the expectations around yourself? How do you manage up? All this talk, you know, all this relates to what is your goal for work? What is your goal for your day? What are you working towards? And most of the time people do not stop and say, this is my vision. They go in, especially if they're in a stressful environment and they just do and they do and they do. And if they don't have boundaries, they, they really are being reactionary because they haven't paused to think, well, what do I need? What do I, what can I create? What's going to fulfill me What? and they haven't done that work. And so if you feel that you are overstressed and don't have boundaries, then I, I beg you to pause and say, what am I working towards? Why am I working? What are my goals for the day? And because once you can identify those goals, you then will build a little bit more confidence that you know where you're going and you'll be more likely to create those boundaries and then be able to create an environment that serves you, which is, is ultimately going to help you lead yourself forward in a more proactive instead of reactionary way. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. What other advice do you have for, for someone that says, you know what, I, I tried all everything you're saying I've done, like, I just can't get through my manager. My manager just we have a terrible relationship. What do I do next? Well, it kind of depends on where you're at in the relationship. And honestly, most people have built such a negative story about their manager in those in these types of situations that they, they really can't fix that relationship and the solution is leaving. But let's say the solution is staying and you really have to get very define on what you need from work. And instead of thinking that you have to act any certain way, decide that you're going to commit to making small changes to improve your current situation. So that may mean doing an audit of your calendar and looking at what is critical, what, you know, what do you need to get done? Where are there not deadlines? Cause usually there aren't deadlines and you're creating them. So where can you create deadlines to make things more manageable? What meetings can you stop going to? How do you say no to, because if you're also saying yes to your manager, you're probably saying yes to a lot of other people. So where can you start saying no? And where can you build in some self-reflection time as well? And so basically it's taking control of your time first and doing little tests to show that you do have control over your time. Like for example, I'm just not going to reply to this email within 24 hours and see what happens. And so what you're doing is you're building up a little level, a little more confidence that you do have control of your time and the world's not going to end. Amazing. Amazing. Um, what other, what are some other common, uh, I guess, issues or mistakes you think, uh, job seekers are making, uh, when they're unsatisfied with their job, if it's not their manager, what other things do you think can be causing this? Well, most of us have just taken a job that we have been provided. So either like, even if someone messages you and says, you'll be perfect for this, that's not something that you found yourself. That's a referral. If you apply to a job on a job board, you're allowing jobs that are available to dictate your career. Some maybe you have social and societal pressures of what job you should do. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't have confidence in yourself, so you haven't really applied to those jobs that seem to be a little bit of a stretch. I see that a ton where someone says, I'm not qualified for this, so I'm not even going to apply. Well, the only way not to get a job is to not actually apply for a job. So people are kind of curating their own success. And so when it comes to looking for a job, really sitting down and asking yourself, what, what, what are the, what are the projects you want to be involved in? What are the types of people you want to engage with? What are the skills that you want to learn? What are your skills currently? 
what sparks and lights you up? What are you passionate about? And you get all this information together and you get some ideas. It's just information. Those ideas don't have to be your forever career, but they're ideas that you can decide to explore. And so what tends to hold people back in the job search once they get to this point is that they think, well, there's, there's so many options. How do I choose? And what's so beautiful about a career, it's not just a job. A career is a culmination of jobs. And you have the ability to choose multiple jobs, which is so cool. Like You can do something for two, three years and choose a different job after that. And if we can let go of the mentality that making a choice limits us from other choices, then we're more likely to explore them. Be like, look, I'm going to do a two-year test. And this is what I'm going to do after the two-year test if I don't like this. That, that is going to build a certain level of skills within you. It's going to help you develop as a professional and person. If you focus on building your network as well during that time, you're going to have, you're going to be so much more valuable after those two or three years than you would be without them. It doesn't even have to be that long. But so letting go of the mentality that I have to make this forever decision and then actually making as much of an informed decision as you can um, is really the, the some of the first steps. And there's some other ones, but pause there. No, no, I, I think I, I, want, I want you to continue. I think you're on a roll, like on a roll in, in terms of like that. It makes just a lot of sense because I think a lot of times I, I see people are, are especially because I work with a lot of college students, like before they even start their career, they think graduation is the finish line, but graduation is actually the start of the marathon, right? And a lot of times they're running the wrong race. They're running the wrong marathon because they might've picked a major because of the societal pressures of their parents or just society as a whole or their expectations because they need to be a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer. Um, and so they're picking their major and picking their career for the wrong reasons. And so you see this... Uh, already unfulfilled without starting. And so like, I think what you're sharing is really great advice. Um, and so, con yeah, continue, continue. So I've, let's see, I currently a leadership and career coach, senior talent management consultant as head of talent development before that I was a learning regional learning director prior to that's so all in learning. Then prior to that, I worked in healthcare for seven years. I was in, then I worked in health policy prior to that. Throughout all that, I bartended for 10 years as well as I was like a door guy and bar back. I worked as a production assistant for music festivals. I was a brand ambassador, was a marketing associate, I was a server after country clubs. I was a sports counselor. Like I'm trying to think, there are a lot of different things that I've spent my time doing. And one of the greatest mistakes, and I'll completely admit it, is I didn't do all of them well. Like I showed up with the mindset this wasn't for me. And the easy, like, why would you do that to yourself if you're working? Why would you actively choose not to make the most out of your current job, not to invest and build relationships because you think you might not be there in the future? But those, those skills that you develop, those relationships that you create, those experiences that you have, those stay with you. They become part of your career. And, and so anyone that is working right now, I, I promise you that in probably five years, you're going to be doing something different or in, in 10 years for sure that you're going to be in somewhere that you didn't expect yourself to be. But the things that will be there are the projects that you successfully completed, the success stories that you have, the relationships that you've built, the impression that you left on people that you worked with. And so pay less attention to, am I making the right decision 
for tomorrow? Am I, and instead, am I showing up in a way that is authentically myself and is building positive relationships and is teaching me skills that are potentially going to be helpful in my future career? And then go, great, let's do some of that clarity work and figure out where I want to go next yeah. for a job that I'm going to love. I think we just totally undermine the fact that, that today doesn't mean we're going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. But a lot of things that things that are going to stick around, we should focus on. Very, very interesting. Uh, as you were kind of flashing back through all the different roles that you've had, I'm like, I'm thinking through like all the different roles that I had and how um, I, all of them, even though they're like, I did landscaping for a summer. I worked at a, a like gymnastic uh, gym for little kids. I worked at Universal Studios for five years. I worked at a supermarket at the deli shop, like all these different jobs and all the different businesses that I started and, and, and and gone through like have taught me lessons that have allowed me and, and they all have some sort of transferable skills that have that, that, that help me even now right um so i think that's really interesting and even if it's like some of those jobs had nothing to do with what i'm doing today that also gave me clarity of understanding what i don't want to do right the type of business i don't want to start like i don't know that i would ever want to start a, a landscaping company like it was too hot in the summer unless i'm in the office right and so um, I think that also adds clarity, but um, I do want to uh, pivot to one more topic before we kind of wrap it up. And I, I hear this. So like it's self-leadership, not self-management. Right. And, and so I think a lot of times we might say, okay, well, leadership management is the same thing. Like your manager is your leader. And one thing I've always been taught, and this is even before I even started my career is that, um, Manage, manager is a title, but leader, you don't need to, you don't need to have a title to be a leader. And I want to talk about that because I hear, because again, a lot of people might not be a manager, you know, but that doesn't mean that you can't be a leader. And so I kind of want to talk about like what, in your opinion, what is the difference between management and leadership and how can you be a leader even if you don't have the title? Being a manager is just a role. It's a, it's a job description, submit some timesheets, you know, get some projects done, et cetera. A leader is someone that people want to follow simply. And anyone can be a leader if you can understand what motivates others. And honestly, that's what leadership is. Leadership is providing energy to others so that they move toward in a specific direction that you think is important, that you're spearheading. Yeah. And so anyone, leaders, so a lot of these concepts that I'm sharing today seem really simple. And there's a, a, a ton of like muck that we have internally, like our emotions and beliefs that get in the way of actually doing them. Leadership, like if you are able to get in front of somebody and they trust you, so you're authentic, you show up, you're aligned, you might, it doesn't have to be what they believe in, but you, you've, they know what to expect when they're in front of you. That's very important. You're in front of someone and they know what they're going to get. Because if, if that's the case, then they, then they, then they feel comfortable around you because they can predict almost what you're going to do, what you're going to say, how you're going to show up. That's incredibly important because it also helps them feel safe. If you can get curious about who they are and what they care about, and then connect whatever it is that you are, want them to work towards, towards those things, then they will follow you. They, then you are a leader. True leadership, not management, true leadership 
is understanding the people in front of you, making them care about what you want them to work towards. And then a level up on that is, have you then supported their path in that direction? So have you provided resources? Have you solved problems? Have you helped them solve their own problems in that direction? So I like to say that self-leadership is creating an environment for yourself to be happy at work. And leadership is creating an organization and an environment for your employees for them to be able to do that. Yeah. No, I love it. Um, so we, we've talked and the time has flying through this conversation. And I think we've covered a lot of really great points. And if, if I am listening to this podcast and I'm a job seeker, maybe I'm just, you know, not satisfied um, with my job. We'd love to learn more about what you do. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what are some of the uh, services that you offer? Where can I get it? Can someone get a hold of you and work with you, learn more about your services or your company um, so that we can, and we'll put all those links too, but if you can share that on the, on the podcast itself. Yeah, there's a ton of content I have out there. I have, I have two podcasts. I have a YouTube channel. I have a newsletter. I mean, the easiest way for you to find everything is to go to liveforyourselfconsulting.com. And then at that site, you'll see a little pop-up to download a free guide. And so I highly recommend you throw in your email and download the free guide to creating meaningful work. And then you'll get all the other information as well. So you can, you can find the podcast that way, the masterclass and all that stuff, and our one-on-one -on -one coaching programs. Uh, I think I just want to highlight for a second. So I work with a lot of clients and they have questions. How do I give feedback? How do I deal with this mm -hmm. difficult conversation? How do I get a promotion? Well, you're listening to this podcast, so you're doing something <laughs> right. You like from learning, there's a couple of ways that you can learn. You can look up stuff. You have the internet. Go lead yourself towards information. And then you can apply that information once you learn it. And that's honestly, that's if you want to grow and improve in a specific situation and you want to do it on your own and you're motivated enough, all the information that you need is out there, but you also have to apply it. So go, go research it and then go pick one thing and try it out. Nothing bad's going to happen. And if it does, I promise that you have the abilities to handle it just like you've handled everything else in your life so far. Awesome. Um, I hope that you guys listening to this, um, have enjoyed this conversation as much as I do. Like I, you know, when I do this podcast with amazing guests like Dr. Benjamin Ritter here, um, I gain a lot from it. You know, sometimes I pick guests for selfish reasons because it's, I, I want to learn about this too, but my idea as we're doing this podcast, right. And we're having this conversation. I, as I hope you guys can see that I am trying to put myself in, in the worst case scenario of the situations so that if you're listening to this, you can say, okay, I'm either in that situation where I'm not happy or I need a job or I need to pivot or, um, and, and I feel like I'm not reaching my full potential that you guys can learn from it too. So, um, I would highly uh, encourage you to guys to connect with Dr. Benjamin Ritter where I'm going to put his, uh, website as well as his LinkedIn um, information down below. Um, and if you're listening to this, look, this podcast, we don't really run ads. Um, we're trying to really provide value. And uh, the way that you can help uh, this podcast and the How to Get a Job movement grow is by sharing this. Do you have someone that you know that it's not happy at work, that maybe comes to you and vents to you and complains to you about what's going on in their, in their work environment? Share this particular episode with them, right? Um, and that's going to really help grow not only this episode, but the podcast itself. Um, if you are a job seeker, look, um, I know that for Opni and, and what I do in my career coaching, we're very specific. We only work with international STEM students. But we are building 
a network of career coaches to help you. So what we'll do is also add one link here for if you're looking for a job and you want some professional help. So just know what I mean by professional help. If you want to work with a coach, it does cost money to work with most coaches, right? Um, and you want more than the free content that is provided by us or on the website, uh, fill out the Google form. And what we'll do is we'll try to partner you up with the right career coach that matches your needs, right? And then as you see, we've having so many career coaches come as guests uh, from, from the, we've had hundreds of them. And so uh, different ones are specialties in different things. So we wanna help you with that. So again, the best way to support is by sharing this, uh, liking, subscribing, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, I appreciate you guys more than you guys know. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And Dr. Benjamin Ritter, thank you so much for coming. And I'll see you guys all on the next episode.